Pastor Peter has already indicated the verse that we are going to be talking about today, the wonder of rest. When I reflect on what's happening here, I can feel and hear Jesus saying, I've got this, I've got you, and I can rest. Today's Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do this, it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Over to you, Pastor Peter. The wonder of rest. You know, when I'm invited somewhere to share the word of God, the first thing I do these days, may surprise some of you, is I look up the three-year lectionary readings and see what is prescribed as the readings for that Sunday. And I usually pick one of them, and that way I know that I'm not just going in my own agenda, just always bringing what I would like to speak about. And it inevitably, invariably surprises me that it is something that's on my heart because the things that are on my heart are the central themes of Scripture. And so it was that about uh, three weeks ago, I opened up the lectionary reading for today, and there was the Gospel, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I just breathed deep. <laughs> Some of you may know that I've written a book recently called The Wonder, and when you get into conversations with people, they say, what's your favourite thing that you wrote in The Wonder? And the favourite chapter that I wrote in The Wonder is a chapter called The Wonder of Rest. And it's a favourite chapter because uh, I expouse everything that I would want to about rest. I've discovered that rest is not just having a nap. Uh, it's also a favourite chapter because I was severely challenged uh, with some uh, fatigue issues in the writing of the book and that had me thinking and rethinking what rest is all about. Now, I can't tell you everything that is in that chapter. I have copies of the book for sale here today and I mean this seriously. This isn't just about making money. If you want one, take the book. Don't bother about paying for it. I want you to get a copy and read the chapter on rest because that gives me rest today that I don't have to say everything that I'd like to say. So grab one, pay for one if you can. If you can't, please, please take it. Uh, 
The second thing I want to say before I pray is that uh, in the second point, if you like points, I've got three points, radiating rest, receiving rest and reflecting rest. Um, there's a number of points which I go sort of staccato version and you can always watch this and listen to it again on the Paravista Church website. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that uh, you reveal key things to people with a childlike trust and faith in you. And so today we receive, as your daughters and sons, even as little children, the rest that you have to give us through the completed work of Jesus. We say, come Holy Spirit and apply the rest that is in our inheritance to every part of our lives. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Rest radiates. What do I mean by radiates? Jesus says at the end of this Bible reading, he says, you will find rest for your souls. Now, you ask uh, any number of Christian scholars what the soul is, and they'll give you totally different answers. Ask philosophers what the soul is, and you'll get another set of answers. But the soul that Jesus talks about here, it's it's the center of our being. It's it's our core. It's, It's the place where where spirit speaks to spirit, where God's Holy Spirit speaks to us. And notice that Jesus doesn't just say, you'll be able to have a nap after lunch, and after 20 minutes, you'll be rested in your body. You know, he's not talking about uh, what the Spanish do, have a, have a big lunch with a little glass of vino and, and then have a, have a siesta. He's not talking about just uh, going for a power walk, sitting on the bench for a while and then getting up and going for a power walk and sitting on the bench. He's not talking about a a glass of sherry before dinner. He's not talking about going to bed early. All of those things can be good and helpful. He's talking about core rest at the very centre of our being. And when we have this rest at the very centre of our being, uh, where all our emotions come from, where our thoughts come from, where the way we respond and react come from, when rest is our birthright at the very centre of our being, then it radiates to our body, it radiates to our mind, it radiates to our heart, it radiates to our feelings, it radiates to our relationships. You see, we tend to live segmented lives. We, we apportion, this is my thinking, this is my acting, this is my feeling, uh, this is my reacting, this is my, my body when someone said to Jesus, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Uh, he said, well, what, what, is the, what does the law say? What does the Bible say? And, and, and he says, you know, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. So we love socially, we love ourselves, and we love with heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, we're integrated beings. Everything is knit together and what happens in one area of our body affects the other. And that's why rest is something that comes to the very core of us. You know, when God created the world, the Bible talks about seven days of creation, seven periods, and it says on the seventh day he rested. God put into the cycle of creation rest and he hasn't withdrawn it. God rested on the seventh day and he still rests today even though he creates. What does that mean? It means that God has put in a replenishing, 
restorative cycle in our lives so that we can live fully from the center, which is his love for us, and our love responded back to him. But then when Adam and Eve chose to go it alone and to be God themselves, which was the temptation, and we followed suit, Jesus came and restored rest. And Jesus' cry on the cross of it is finished is a statement that puts an end to all the activity that is anti-rest. And I look at them in a minute. So Jesus is the one who restores God's rest so that rest isn't just an adjunct to what God has brought in the world. Rest is, is part of it. And without rest, uh, and you'll need to read fully the, the, the chapter to, to know what, what, it's, what, it's, what it really is. With, without rest, we live depleted lives and we're always living in catch-up. But as rest radiates from our very center, it restores us, it refreshes us, it invigorates us, it renews us, it replenishes us, and it rebuilds relationships. So how do you get rest? Well, this radiating rest is received. Some of you are on my incredibly loved Facebook page. And for those of you who are, you would have seen this quote that I put there this last week. The opposite of bad is not good. The opposite of bad is love. And you can't perform your way into that. You can't perform your way into love. You receive it. It's gifted. And rest is gifted. Rest is deposited. And then when rest is deposited, rest is received. That's why Jesus says only a few verses earlier, then come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden. He says these verses, which actually are my wife Julie's favorite verses in the Bible. He says, at that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and you have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. You know, the wise and the learned, well, we think that more is, is better, that, that faster is more productive. And, and, and Jesus goes, no, 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 no. Look at a little child. They're happy playing and they play, they play, play, and then they stop. And then they'll go and they'll sit on someone's lap and they'll receive a cuddle. That's how the kingdom of God is received. That's how rest is received. As we sit on Papa God's lap and hear of his love for us, you hear of his love for you. And so with everything that's bad in the world, it's not that you have to try and produce some good into that badness. The opposite of bad is not necessarily good. The opposite of bad is love. And you rest into love. So I want us to look just for a moment at some rest shifts. So a rest shift takes place as we move from performance to abiding. Everything in our world is about performance. You know, you perform better. Uh, don't worry, performance is not a bad thing. My car goes in for its service this Wednesday and I want the mechanics to perform well. Performance isn't bad. But when you take your identity from performance, it's a rest robber. Because if you have a good day, then you're okay. If you have a bad day, then you're not okay. And that's very rest depleting because you don't know whether you're up, whether you're down. Now, I don't know about you, but this thing in my pocket, my phone, it's an absolute blessing and it's also an absolute curse. 
because it tells me all kinds of things that I never asked it to tell me. It tells me how many steps I take a day. And when I look at my, uh, my step count, you know, it's got these reports and the reports are never, wow, you've had a great day. The reports are, you are doing less steps today than you did yesterday. And I don't know where it gets its data from, but it always manages to tell a sad sack story. Even if I've had a good week, it'll say, okay, over the last six weeks of this year, you have done less than you did in the same corresponding period last year. And I'm going, man, you are an expert at telling me how bad I'm performing. And then you know what I think? Tomorrow I must do better. I should have, could have, would have, didn't. You hear the language? It's a robber of rest. And so you think you're bad. You don't think you're any good. And the opposite of performance is not not performing. The opposite of performance is abiding. Jesus says, remain in me. Abide in me. Remain in me as I remain in you. A branch is attached to the vine and the branch rests in the vine. And it produces fruit. And it produces fruit by resting and as it rests the process of photosynthesis takes place and fruit comes the fruit comes through the abiding not through we must produce some good grapes you have to do it come on bigger grapes plumper grapes sugarier grapes no it's in the abiding that the nutrients come and so it's in the abiding of jesus statement it is finished i love you i have you you can't perform your way into love you receive it Another rest shift is from pleasing God to you are my beloved. Pleasing God is a, is a, a, a fool's treadmill. <laughs> because if you want to evaluate that, then your question is going to be, have I pleased him enough? And it leads you to a false view of God, because if you're thinking I have to please God, then you think, is he happy with me? And God doesn't evaluate this, us that way. God doesn't evaluate us the way we think Uh, evaluations take place and so instead of trying to please God rather it's the opposite way we hear father God say to us you are my son you are my daughter I call you beloved and with you I'm well pleased wow I already have father God's good pleasure now I can rest from a performance-driven lifestyle where I feel I have to please God, no longer will my life be one of pleasing God, but it will be responding to the good pleasure that is already there. It may seem a mute point, but it's the difference between night and day. My life is lived to God's good pleasure, not to earn his favour, but out of the favour and good pleasure that I already have. I want to live a life of love in response. Another rest shift is from uncertainty, exclusion and insecurity to acceptance and identity. You know, all of us in this room have a past that is rest depleting. There have been things that happened to you that shouldn't have happened. There have been things that should have happened to you that didn't happen. And this has left you with unresolved issues. And those unresolved issues always nag away at our identity. Am I good enough? Am I included? Am I accepted? And the Bible Jesus himself, with his invitation of come to me, says, yes, you are. You have an identity that is gifted and given. And I've just been reading again um, for uh, 
uh, a conference that I'm, I'm doing at Walkerville Uniting Church this Saturday. There you go, Roz. There's the, the advert. Um, there's some posters out there if you're interested. Walkerville Uniting Church this Saturday afternoon. And I've been doing some, some just rereading of the gospel stories. And, you know, I've been doing this for a long, long time. And I've just been gobsmacked again this past week by the acceptance of Jesus to people and how his acceptance of people is restorative in relationships. It's so rest-giving and rest-producing to know that we don't have to earn his acceptance or produce his acceptance, but we receive it. Last Sunday, and the Sunday before that, I was up in Cairns looking after a uh, uniting church for two Sundays while the pastor and his wife went to Vietnam. I can't go to Vietnam because of the immigration uh, issues that uh, was there the last time I ran a conference. And... It was on the last night we were in Cairns that we heard that Julie's dad had uh, gone into hospital. And so we got back on the Monday, rushed up to Loxton on Tuesday, and Julie's dad passed away on Thursday. I managed to have a few minutes by his bedside. And I said, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to share? And because this verse had been in my head, I said, Dad, can I share a scripture with you? And he goes, please. And I said, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary. No, I said, all you who are tired, um, all you who labor and are heavy laden, because that's how he would know it. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he mouthed the rest of it with me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And when you're 93 years age and you know that you're not going to come back, acceptance is where it's all at. You and I don't have to wait till we're 93. We don't have to wait till we're about to carry our last breath. We can start living in the rest of God's acceptance for us now in Jesus. You are accepted. You are included. Your identity is gifted as a daughter and as a son. And that leads us to a next shift that we can then move from striving to seeking. Now, some of you have heard this illustration before. I make no apologies for repeating myself. I'm in my 60s. This phone is a blessing. It's got on there an app called RunKeeper. Yesterday at 11 o'clock, there was no entry for the day. Then I went into RunKeeper, pressed start, and I strived. What's my definition of striving? It's exerting effort in order to get a result that does not yet exist. So I strived for five kilometres, and at the, when I came back, it gave me a, 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 a record. You know, pace, elevation, time, kilojoules expended and all that kind of stuff. That's striving, where you extend effort to get a result that beforehand did not exist. As Christians, we do not need to strive. It is rest depleting but I see many Christians striving wringing their hands either metaphorically or realistically God I pray that I have your love Jesus if only you would be present and he goes "I, I am present you don't have to strive for my presence you don't have to you don't have to you know conjure me up like a genie I'm here and all that I have is yours so you don't need to strive for me you don't need to produce Effort in order to get something that you don't believe exists. I'm already here. And the opposite of striving in this case is seeking. 
So we lay down striving, a word that's not used in relationship with Father's love for us in the scriptures, and we take up seeking, which is used dozens and dozens of times. Seek me, seek my face, seek me and I will be found by you. And seeking is is what I do for these things at home all the time. You know, they already exist. They're already in the house somewhere. It's just I've misplaced where they are. And so you don't have to strive for Father's love. It's just you've forgotten how much he loves you. So you look for a love that's already yours. You go for a heart that's already towards you. You go for a face that's already kindly disposed to you. And then when you find it, you go, oh, wow. Now through the lens of Father's acceptance, through the lens of his love, I can see clearly of his, his heart towards me. And so I really invite you to lay down this rest-diminishing activity of striving because you already have him. And that means we can shift from doing to done. Christianity is not about I do, I do, I do. It's about it is done. Jesus said it this way, it is finished. It has been completed. It is paid in full. You don't have to do, Jesus says, what I have already done for you. And so we live in the rest, uh, the soul rest that comes from knowing that our heart is right with him because of Jesus. And that means we move from works to grace. Of course we do works, but we don't do works for grace. We do works out of grace. And they're not even works then. They're acts and responses of love. We move from shame and guilt to holding our head up high. It's the opening four chapters of the book, The Wonder, that, that most Christians are going through life, shuffling around, looking at the ground because you know, we can't look other people in the eye because we don't believe Father looks us in the eye. But he looks us in the eye through Jesus and he says, you know, there is nothing that separates you from me. Nothing you've done, nothing you've failed to do. My heart is toward you, my face is toward you. So now, please, hold your head up high and let the world see that you're holding your head up high. And finally, in these shifts, we move from directional listening to relational hearing. When it comes to hearing the voice of God, when it comes to discerning um, Father's promptings to us, many of us only go to him to hear directionally. You know, I need an answer to this. I want to know that. Should we do this or should we do that? Even as a congregation, who do we call? (laughs) Father does speak directionally, but primarily he speaks relationally. He speaks to you about your heart. He speaks to you about your relationship with him. He speaks to to you about who you are as a body of Christ. He speaks to you about your, I want to use the word ontology, but it's um, about your being. He speaks to you about the very essence of you, the stuff that radiates from the center. And out of that, we can then, with Holy Spirit wisdom, make our own decisions Sanctified decisions about the direction we take. Sanctified decisions that are directional come from relational hearing. When we know that we know that we know that we're loved, then other things fall into place. And so we move from self-reliance to father responsiveness. You know, the Bible says that Jesus only ever did that which he saw and heard the father seeing and doing. One of the problems is that we feel we've got to meet everyone's needs, we've got to answer everyone's problems, and and we can then, you know, work ourselves into a tither and rest flies away from us because even when we're lying in bed at night trying to get some physical rest, we're just thinking of what we could have done or didn't do or, or who we missed out on. Do you know, when Jesus left this world, there were still lepers, 
There were still orphans. There were still sick people. There were still dead people. There was still poverty. The Romans were still occupying Israel. So Jesus didn't come to meet every need. But he came to see that every need is met. And how does he see that every need is met? Through you and you and you and you and you and me. As we walk with our heads held up high, responding to his love, we become the ones who get alongside of the lepers, who know how to respond to an invading force, who welcome the outcasts, who bring the good news of acceptance. Jesus didn't come to meet every single need. He came to meet our need for restoration to the Father. And then through us, he sends us to meet the needs of others. And so we find rest when we give up the temptation to go for human solutions, which can just exhaust us and waste us and rob us of rest and effectiveness to others. So quickly in the last point, we reflect rest. As we operate within the parameters that the Holy Spirit has given us. You don't have to save the world. Jesus has already done that. So you ask, Holy Spirit, relationally, who am I to you? Who have you placed me in your world? What have you given me? And now how can I respond with what you've given me to those who are in my world and those you've placed before me? And the miracle is, the missional moment is that as we live in rest, as we live in all those from and to's, we cease being anxious, fear-ridden people, stressed, disturbed, striving, and we become people who are peace-filled and therefore peaceful. And peaceful people are the most beautiful people to be around. One of the most missional things you can do is live at rest, in the rest of being a daughter, being a son. One of the most missional things you can do is live in the peace that passes all human understanding and let your soul be at rest and your heart be at rest. And people go, wow, a person free of anxiety, a person, a person free of striving, a person who just knows that they know that they know that they're loved and secure in the love of God the Father. That's, that's beautiful to be around. It truly is missional living. We then become peacemakers. And that means we can rest from I wish I had or I didn't or if only or I should have. Because uh, I can assure you when uh, my wife hears that from me, it doesn't bring her rest. When I'm living in what I could have, should have, ought to have done, it actually robs of rest in the key relationships. And so I'm actually not reflecting rest. You know, whatever has happened, has happened. We get healing from it. Maybe we get counselling and therapy for it. But it has taken place. And Jesus moves us from what if I shouldn't have, I couldn't have, into come to me, I am. I am the way. I am the life. I am the resurrection. I am the light. I am the gate. Jesus has dealt with the past. And he invites us to a rest by living in the present and entrusting the future to him. When we live that way, we become rest reflectors. 
Let's hear the verse once more, but this time from Eugene Peterson in the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So Jesus, we come to you simply because you've invited us. We thank you that you are already here. We thank you that your invitation for us is daily, repeatedly, and that simply by being in relationship to you through your death and resurrection, we can have a life where we are at rest. Amen.